Thank you for joining us on WQPH, 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg, Queen of Perpetual Help, and welcome to another edition of WQPH's Local Matters. And on this week's broadcast, we have a long-awaited guest, and that is Monsignor Lapuma, and he is from Our Lady of Victory Church. He is with us to talk about Father Baker, who made a great impact on our world. This version of Ave Maria is by Michelle Lally, and her music is available at allcelticmusic.com, and her last name is spelled L-A-L-L-Y. Everybody, welcome to Local Matters. We have been long awaiting this very special guest that's with us today. He's all the way up there in Lackawanna at a very famous shrine. You might have heard of it, Our Lady of Victory. And joining us today is Monsignor Lapima. And we welcome you here to our WQPH radio, Monsignor. Could we begin with a prayer? Certainly, and it's a privilege and honor to be with you and all of our listeners that are tuning in today. In a special way, I'm offering these prayers up for all those who are participating today in a special way. So let's begin with uh, Father Baker's prayer, actually, to Our Lady of Victory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O victorious Lady, Thou who has ever such powerful influence with Thy Divine Son in conquering the hardest of hearts, Intercede for those for whom we pray, that their hearts being softened by the rays of divine grace, they may return to the unity of the true faith, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of that title, Our Lady Shias, of Our Lady of Victory? Well, this actually goes back to uh, the same feast day, October 7th, of Our Lady the Rosary because back in the 1500s when they had the naval battle in Europe between the Christians and the Muslims, the Holy Father at the time asked everyone to pray the rosary. And uh, as a result, Christianity was able to be saved and, and really continue to preserve in, in Europe. So it was attested to the fact that people all over Europe were praying the rosary at the same time. And then it became known as Our Lady of Victory because, of course, through her powerful prayer, uh, Our Lady is always victorious, and she is always there to intercede for us for every need that we have and bringing us to the closer to the heart of her son. Beautiful. We really need her today, and we need that rosary being prayed. And I understand you have a petition that you have, a prayer, that you might let us uh, be a part of. If you, everybody listening sure. has a petition right now for Our Lady sure. of Victory, could you Well, share? this actually is a petition to Father Baker through uh -huh. his intercession, Okay. Um, because 
this petition would be, Father Baker had great devotion. That's why everything we have here in what we call the City of Charity in Lackawanna is attested to the fact that Father Baker had such profound trust in the protection and intercession of Our Lady of Victory. Everything he said, everything he did, when people would compliment him and say, Father, it's amazing all the people that you're serving, the children, the poor, the needy, and he would say, I didn't do it, she did it all, and he would point to Our Lady of Victory, to her statue. But we um, want Father Baker, of course, to be known throughout the world. We want him to be canonized. He's right now the second of four stages. Um, He was Servant of God in 1987, he was named by the Holy Father, and then in 2011 by Pope Benedict XVI, he was named the Venerable Nelson Baker because of his virtuous life. Now we need two intercessory miracles to get him beatified and then canonized. So this prayer is a prayer for anyone who is uh, looking for intervention um, in their life for whatever they need might be, uh, to pray this prayer to Father Baker. And it says this, O God, our Father, we praise and thank you for the gift of Father Nelson Baker, priest and disciple, who lived your will in faith and trust, and lived your love in service to the poor, the sick, the homeless, and the young. I pray in confidence that through his intercession, you will grant me the favor which I request, you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Beautiful. And simply place the intercession right there, and we know that Father Baker will hear and intercede for us. Mm -hmm. Now, would that be on your website, or how could people get a copy of the prayer? You can get it on our website. Uh, I can make sure that um, our communication people send it to you uh, so you have it. There is also a prayer for Father Baker's canonization that we pray at the end of every Mass uh, that we celebrate here at Our Lady Victory, and it's also prayed at a number of parishes in our diocese. Beautiful. I can share that with you as well if you want. Please, yes. Sure. So this is the prayer to have Father Baker canonized. Let us pray. Lord, you gave us your servant, Nelson Baker, as an example of service to the poor, homeless, and young. By Father Baker's ardent concern for those in need, inflame our hearts and lives with compassion for the poor, justice for the oppressed, hope for the troubled, and courage to those in doubt. We pray through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, if it be your will, that your servant, Nelson Baker, may one day be canonized. Amen. Amen. And then we pray the glory be three times. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Victory, pray, pray for, for us. us. Yes. And Your... we pray that at the end of every every Mass that we celebrate here at the Basilica at the Shrine. Wow. So the people are all praying very hard for his uh, canonization, I would think. Hmm? Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. We Did... know that when he, when he died, he was known as a saint even then because of everything that was done around the time of his death. But um, And more and more Gratefully for people like you and your station, more and more people are hearing about uh, the life and legacy of Father Baker. And, and the more people that know about him, the more opportunities there are for those intercessory miracles to take place. Okay, this might be a good time to share uh, sure. a little bit about his background and why you think he is right on the way to heaven's sainthood. Okay. Well, to begin with, I just for the context of time, he was born on February 16, 1842, uh, here in Buffalo, New York, and he died on July 29, 1936. So he lived uh, 94 years of life, 
and 60 years as a priest. Uh, he was born to a, a German Lutheran father and an Irish Catholic mother, who both immigrated here from Germany and Ireland separately, met here. This is very important to kind of get a sense of his whole Father Baker's charism. His father opened a general store in downtown Buffalo, and this is a time that the um, Great Lakes, the Erie Canal was being built, so the Things were starting to boom and grow. So his father had a very successful general store where Father Nelson Baker uh, worked with his brothers. So he learned his business sense from his dad, for sure. Mm. And then his religious sense came from his Irish Catholic mother, because when he was born, he was actually baptized Lutheran. But at the age of 10, after his mother was bringing him to daily mass uh, in his early years, he himself asked to be baptized Catholic. And mm -hmm. he was baptized at the age of 10 as a Catholic uh, back in the day, they would rebaptize. Today, we have a profession of faith when people come from another faith, Christian faith tradition. But so then, moving forward, the real sense of his faith really came from his mom and her influence in his life. He would go on to graduate through public schools, high school, and after high school, um, actually, the Civil War broke out, and he entered the Civil War, and he was uh, fought at Gettysburg for about uh, 30 days. And then he came back to Western New York, and when he came back, he opened a, a general store with a friend of his, Joe Meyer. It was a grain and feed store in downtown Buffalo. And again, things were starting to boom. And that business became very successful. And he um, decided he had this idea that he wanted to give back, which is really, you know, at the heart of who Nelson Baker really is. So he joined the St. Vincent de Paul Society. And he was influenced by that charism of St. Vincent de Paul, who also took care of the poor and the needy, of course, as we all know, yes. um, in France. But so Father Baker joined it in Buffalo, and they sent him at that time to volunteer and to help support what at that time where the basilica is located now was called Limestone Hill. And on this property was a small church called St. Patrick's. There was a small orphanage that was run by the Sisters of St. Joseph, and there was also a small protectory that was run by the Brothers of Holy Innocence, and the pastor at the time was Father Hines. So he was kind of in charge of those three institutions and overseeing that. They were struggling financially, so Baker would go and, you know, help with supplying food and, and lending money or supporting with money and that sort of kind of thing. But it was during that time when he was volunteering that the priest, Father Hines, said to Baker, Father Baker, or Nelson Baker, I believe you have a vocation. And through a period of discernment, uh, Nelson um, decided to to give up the business, turn it over to his partner and his brother, and he entered the seminary at the age of 27, which would have been, at that time, truly a delayed kind of vocation. Yeah. Um, but uh, he entered Our Lady of the Angels Seminary, which is located uh, at Niagara University in Niagara County near Niagara Falls. So that's where he did his uh, seminary. And this is a kind of an important critical moment because um, as he was studying at the seminary, he became very ill just two years into it, and he almost died from a very rare skin disease. And thankfully, through a lot of prayers, um, he recovered. And when he recovered, he heard that there was a pilgrimage that was being run by the Catholics of the United States to go over to Italy, to Rome, to support the Holy Father, to kind of strengthen Catholicism around our country. And so he asked if he could go and represent the seminary and uh, to give thanks to God for his healing. So on that pilgrimage, they stopped first uh, in Paris on the way to uh, Rome, Italy. And while they were in Paris, and this is a pivotal moment in the life of uh, Nelson Baker, uh, he went to Notre Dame, where everyone goes to visit, of course. Uh, but then the bishop that was running the tour at the time said, Nelson, I think you would appreciate this other church 
called Notre Dame des Victoires, Our Lady of Victory. And so he went in there and he participated in the Mass and he just had this very moving experience and he went to the side altar, which is where the statue of Our Lady of Victory is uh, located, and he knelt down and he saw the crutches on the wall, he saw the powerful intercessory prayers that were answered as a result of Our Lady of Victory. And he had this moment where he just stood up and said, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life, my priesthood, to your patronage. And I'm going to spread patronage to Our Lady of Victory wherever I go. So he comes home. Uh, he gets ordained in 1876 on March 19th, the Feast of St. Joseph, at the age of 34. And uh, lo and behold, where did they send him for his first assignment? But here to Limestone Hill to assist Father Hines. So he came here as a parochial vicar to assist Father Hines. And it really was a little bit overwhelming because Father Hines just was still struggling and as the assistant, he couldn't make a lot of decisions. So after about five years, he asked for a transfer from the bishop to go to Corning, New York, where he served uh, for less than, just about less than a year. And that's when the bishop at the time called him and said, I need you to come back, and I'm going to put you in charge of the institutions at Limestone Hill, St. Patrick's Church, the Orphanage, the Protectory. And so at the age of 40, he took over. And this is where it really takes off because what he did is, first thing he did is used any money he had left over from his business. He paid off as much of the debt as he could. And this is the other amazing story of his life is that he, we call him now the patron of direct mail because at the time he wrote to all the postmasters in the country asking for a list of their Catholic women organizations, Catholic women that are, are supporters. And lo and behold, these postmasters sent the names and addresses to Father Baker. And he began, as they came in, he began sitting down and writing personally to all these women across the country. And he asked for 25 cents to join Our Lady of Victory Association, where they would be remembered in the prayers and the masses and novenas here. And it met with huge success. Fast forward to this day, uh, we have over 60,000 donors across the country. My goodness. Who give. Yeah, who give because their grandparents, great-grandparents uh, gave to Father Baker. And many of them never have been here physically to see, but they just were so moved um, by what Father Baker had done. I'm so overwhelmed by the enormity yes. of his faith. And this is, this is the thing. When people ask me what is the most moving or most inspirational thing for, for me as a priest, and I'm the sixth pastor uh, since Father Baker, and I can say that every day I am overwhelmed and humbled to think about how one man's faith and trust in the intercession of Our Lady of Victory and the providence of God all that he accomplished. And when I say that, he then uh, grew the orphanage, uh, he grew the protectory, and the first thing he did, now this was a protectory for troubled boys. There were bars on the windows, and he took the bars off the windows and he said, this is not a prison. This is a place where young men need to be given an opportunity to change the trajectory of their life for the better. And that's exactly what he did. He took over uh, not only educating them with a formal education, he also developed a vocational school. So he taught them all kinds of trades. He had people come in to do haircutting, um, carpentry, uh, plumbing, uh, gardening, anything you can imagine. Um, he allowed these boys that opportunity. And they would graduate through this system and go on to be very productive members of society. In addition to taking care of the protectory, in back in 1908, he built what is called the infant home for unwed mothers and their babies. And he saw at that time, prior to that, as they were digging up the canals, there were actually body parts of babies. And he realized that these young girls were giving up their babies tragically. And so he said, I got to do something. And again, he went back to our Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Victory, 
and he was inspired to build this infant home. And he just opened the doors, no question asked, and young women could come and just drop off their babies in a bassinet that he left in the entranceway, or they could come and stay if they were pregnant, and he would allow them to get an education, give birth to their child, and again, help them to go on to live very productive lives. He then also, in addition to that, because he needed a place for the babies to be born, he built a maternity hospital, which eventually became a general hospital. He went on to build a working home for boys and working home for girls because he realized that when they kind of graduated through the system here, uh, they needed to get on their feet and they needed a place to live while they were working. And so he had this working home for boys and girls. All of that said and done, you know, over all these beautiful institutions that he created, he always had in the back of his mind that he wanted to build a, a shrine to honor our Blessed Mother under her title of Our Lady of Victory, to have everyone know that her patronage is so powerful. And he wanted it to be a shrine of magnificence because going back to that pilgrimage where he stopped in Paris, uh, they also went to Lourdes, France. Then they went on to Rome where they met the Holy Father at St. Peter's. They had an audience, but he was also inspired by the beauty of St. Peter's Basilica. So in his mind, he had this idea, but he kept building these institutions and had to put the money there to take care of everything. But in 1916, just before that, there was a fire that affected the Church of St. Patrick, which they were outgrowing already. So he repaired it enough to have Mass. But then when the parishioner said, when are you going to fix the church completely? He said, I have a better idea. And that's when, in 1916, he broke ground to build what we have today, this magnificent shrine that became um, Our Lady of Victory National Shrine and Basilica. And for anyone who has never been here, I encourage them to come and see for themselves because it is unbelievable. And everybody who walks in is in awe. And they look around and they say, just magnificent. It, It rivals the basilicas and shrines and cathedrals and churches uh, throughout Italy, throughout Europe, and it truly does. Uh, There's over 46 different types of marble imported from Italy. The dome, when it was completed, was the second largest dome in the country next to the capital. Uh, The outside has a colonnade that reaches out its arms, just like St. Peter's, and welcoming people to come in and feel the embrace of Holy Mother Church. The dome itself, uh, when you look up, you see depicted the vision of Our Lady, of the Assumption of Mary into Heaven and the crowning of Mary as Queen of Heaven and Earth. He asked the uh, Professor Raghi, who was the Italian artist that came over to do the interior work, to depict something that would give a vision of heaven, and it certainly does. The architect that he hired to really design the uh, shrine was Emilio Ulrich, who came from France originally, where he studied to get his liturgical architecture degree, And then he emigrated to Cleveland, and Baker heard about him at the time that he was building some beautiful churches. So he brought him to Buffalo, to Lackawanna, and said, I I have this vision. I need you to create it. And so together, they designed this magnificent, magnificent uh, shrine. Two months after, it it was started in 1921. That's when they laid the cornerstone. And it took five years. Well, it was completed for Christmas Day of 1925. That's when they had the first Mass that Father Baker celebrated. But the consecration was delayed until May of 26. And the other amazing miracle of Father Baker's life that is in that five years, by the time it was completed, he had it completely paid for to the tune of $3.8 million back in 1926. So that it was done in five years, that it was paid for, is just truly miraculous. And when you see it for for yourself, you say, 
you could never do this today. It would be impossible. Mm-hmm. The bishop at the time who knew what Father Baker was doing and was inspired by his dedication and supported him 100%, he petitioned Rome even while it was being completed and said that this really, we would love to have it designated as a basilica. And so back in October of 26, Pope Pius XI named it the second minor basilica in the United States. Now I believe there's over 60 to 70 different basilicas throughout the country. It's a testament to, again, what one man's profound faith in God can do. The other part of Father Baker's life, and it's it's just so humbling, is that every day he got up, obviously, and, and prayed. And then throughout the day, no matter who he came across in his path, all he wanted to do was change their lives for the better. So uh, we know that in his pockets on one side he carried coins to help men who were out of jobs and out of work, and he'd give them a quarter, 50 cents, whatever, and at that time that would be a lot to lift their spirits. And in the other pocket he had candy and he had medals of Our Lady of Victory, and he would pass those out to children as he met them and, and cared for them. But he never said no. He always said yes, which again is modeled after our Blessed Mother, of course, her fiat, where she just trusted in God's will and gave her yes. And look where we are today because of Mary's yes and the grace of God. But that's what we say about Father Baker. His legacy continues. And he died 10 years after he finished the Basilica, after it was dedicated. And he didn't stop. Uh, If you recall, then the Great Depression hit. hit. So he opened up the food lines during the Great Depression. He fed hundreds and thousands of people Um, He was the first to do outreach to the uh, African-Americans, the black community. They came through the bread lines, and they were amazed that he was so welcoming to them at a time when, sadly today, still there's prejudice. But he just embraced everyone, and they were so moved that they asked to become Catholic. And he actually started a catechism class for for 50 uh, African-Americans that grew into about 500 uh, to the point where he said, let me build a church for you so that you can worship in your own kind of spirituality, and and he did that. He also built other churches that grew out of um, Our Lady of Victory uh, in this area. They were all like daughter churches because obviously the Catholic population was growing, and then the different immigrants coming in, the Irish, the Germans, the Italians, back then they all kind of had their own church. Um, And now, you know, now we've come together. But it's an amazing story, and to this day, the other miracle of Father Baker's life is that when he died at the age of 94 on July 29th of 1936, his legacy did not die with him but continued on. Today, uh, we have what is called OLV Charities, which is the support arm um, that does all the fundraising that Father Baker did, but in modern day. So we still do direct mailings. People may who are listening may actually get copies of letters from me and invitations to um, support us. But that's about 55 people who work continuously to support the Basilica. And also the other great legacy of Father Baker is what we call Our Lady of Victory or OLV Human Services. It's the sixth largest human service organization in western New York. And we continue to serve over 15,000 children, families, and youth every year. We have foster care, emergency foster care. We've got about 80 children in foster care and about uh, 13 or 14, I think, in emergency foster care right now. We have residential services for youth and adults with behavioral and mental health challenges. We have services for the developmentally disabled. We have seven schools that we take care of children that don't make it in their own 
uh, school districts from about 34 different school districts. They send them here every day, and we educate from pre-K to uh, 12th grade uh, at different campuses. Um, we also have a dental clinic for outpatient services, mental health uh, counseling. Uh, so all the things that Father Baker did, um, we just are meeting the signs of the times, and that's basically what he did. Like when he opened the home for infant home for unwed mothers, he met the signs of the times that I got to do something, and we do the same thing. We we work hand in glove with New York State. We work with every state agency uh, to provide these services um, for all these people that are placed in our care. And um, it's just an amazing and amazing work to see firsthand how lives continue to be changed today. That we actually, incredible. two years ago, bought a bakery in uh, the first ward of uh, Lackawanna here, at Buffalo, I mean it. We bought that as a for-profit business to train our high school students and to give them a vocation um, opportunity. And uh, one of the amazing stories of that, when we were looking at the possibility of buying it, we took uh, a couple of our young people who really have very challenged lives, brought them over there to show them how the bakery worked. And there was a young man, I'll never forget it, um, he spent the day, it was uh, the day before Ash Wednesday, Fat Tuesday when they make the donuts, <laughs> Mardi Gras. But they, they learned the process, and at the end of the day, spending the day there, he said, I never thought I could do anything in my life, and I know I believe now I can do something, and wow. this is something I can do. And, you know, that's that's the message I think we want to get out there is that, you know, not every person, every young person can go through college, university, but everybody is gifted in their own way. And if you just give them the tools, like Father Baker did, if you teach them a vocation, and I don't know about in Boston, but I know in Western New York, we're hurting for tradespeople. Yes, <laughs> uh, we are too. Yeah, just don't know, you know, all the things that, our grandparents and parents, you know, worked hard to do, um, and it's it's just wonderful to see young people, their eyes, they just change totally when they realize there's something that I can do to contribute. And I think every every person, that's what they want to do at their heart is to make a difference. And some of them come from very difficult, obviously challenging families. And, and I know some of our listeners right now are probably, you know, with their own struggles and that's why I say we have to take the example of Father Baker. We have to walk more humbly, more gentle, more gently through this world because you never know what's going on in somebody else's life. And you can simply change someone for the better by a word of encouragement, by a word of uh, lifting them up and giving them opportunity. Uh, and, and lots of people don't have that opportunity. But if we all, <laughs> inspired by Father Baker, just every day strive to make a difference in one person's life that we meet along the way, it makes all the difference in the world. Very inspiring. Very inspiring. I don't see how the Venerable accomplished all those things. It just seems too impossible. I know. I know. It seems <laughs> too impossible. Yeah. Some people think if they do one thing, right? But he right. obviously was gifted from the Holy Spirit. Yes. Most definitely. You know, again, you go back to um, that business sense of his dad and then that deeply spiritual sense of his mother, and that combination, um, and also just the profound trust. You know, I, I think we say it kind of so easily, but when you have the gift of faith, hope, and love, those virtues, everything is possible. But we have to truly believe, like Father Baker did, that I'm not doing this. God is doing this, and, and our Blessed Mother is interceding, and and. It's hard to imagine until you actually come and see face-to-face -face all that continues to this day that is a result 
of his faith. And we as a church and here in Western New York are so much better because of him, obviously. Learn more about Father Baker when we present part two at this time next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of WQPH's Local Matters. We hope you enjoyed the broadcast and hope you have a blessed week.